on a mission, on a quest, on a search for discovering the truth. Join us on our journey to discovering a savior. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Yurdu. So uh, Batman has always been one of my favorite comic book characters. And it's not because like all the tools, the weapons, utility belt, the toys, you know, that people would think. You just felt like you were Robin? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I bet you he'd invite me along for adventures. I'll be the boy wonder. <laughs> uh, no, uh, and it's not the money either. But That would be nice. That would be nice. Or the cool costume. I mean, the, the, the costume is pretty awesome. Um, and it's not because he wasn't afraid of anything or his brooding attitude, you know, the voice, the, especially Christian Bale, I'm Batman type thing. Now, because you're saying, oh, as a kid, I, I feel like now it would be because of the voice. Yeah, probably I feel more like you've now. made so many comments about your voice. Yeah, I, I just like my voice so much. Uh, but it, it really comes down to the, uh, the detective part of it. Mm. Like he was the world's greatest detective. That's the, the moniker that they've given him. And like he could solve any crime, he solves any riddle, he solves anything. I mean, he has a way to take down everyone in the Justice League because he's figured it out. It's really weird because growing up, I also really like Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, I was way more DC growing up. Like, all the DC, like, that's where I was at. But as I'm thinking back, it's like, do I remember Batman being a detective? It's like, no, I just remember him going, like, taking out people with his gadgets. Yeah. But I don't remember him, like, solving a thing. Yeah, some of them, especially growing up, like, in the... I also didn't do the comics, yeah. so I'm the, sure it gets more there. The late 90s cartoon, um, the animated series Batman mm-hmm. that was, like, really popular, my favorite episodes with him were, like, the Riddler ones. Mm. You know, the other ones where he's, like, fighting, punching, those are cool. But, like, the ones where he's, like, the detective and he has to solve the clues to figure out, you know, where the Riddler's location is at, mm-hmm. how to get through the maze and everything. Like, those ones were my favorite. Uh, it's probably why I even, like, gravitated to, like, a Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. You know, I, I just really like these people who, these characters that are, like, we could solve the puzzle. We could solve everything. Yeah. That's why I liked watching House. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not that I would ever be able to yeah. figure it out, but I, my sister's a doctor. And I know that she would tell me at times, like, she would try to figure it out before him. Mm. And for as, like, obscure as those things are, mm-hmm. she would get it sometimes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I guess it is like a, hey, these symptoms can lead to these types of things. So, yeah. 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 I think it's probably what led to, like, the conspiracy theory side of me. Mm. You know, like, the, 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 the quest for the truth, you know, the truth is out there, you know, what's that, X-Files? Type thing, mm. uh, but like it, it's probably why. So there's a a moment where uh, I'm not going to name any names to keep people safe, but my children, uh, one of them had a friend sleepover, and the other one had a friend over. Now they both had uh, these packs of Airheads, like the long candy ones, um, and they each had like different colors. I say colors. Most people will probably say flavor, but they're, they're just colors. Yeah. Um, and there was a purple one that Remy really wanted. And she's just like, I really want this purple airhead. But all of a sudden it went missing. So I asked all the people involved, you know, my two kids and their two friends, like, who took it? Where is it at? And each of them were like, I have no idea. So I'm like grilling them, right? Like, who took it? Who ate it? It was here a minute ago. What happened? Everyone's telling me to my face. I didn't eat it. I didn't touch it. I believe three out of the four of them. I'm not, again, I'm not going to mention who was the culprit. 
So I believe three out of the four of them. One of them, I was just like, I don't trust you. Your eyes are shifting and everything. So I'm walking around the house looking everywhere. I go into the kid's restroom and I look in the trash can and there it is, the wrapper. Mm. Someone took that thing in there and just like ate it in the toilet <laughs> because they knew what they were doing was wrong. So at that point it's purple. So you check tongues, right? No, I didn't go that far. I wish you Come were on, here. Batman. Yeah. But I solved it, you know, like, and I think time had gone by too because like no one's tongues looked any different from what I can remember. But I figured it out like, Someone ate it, obviously, but it's kind of like that Batman thing where it's like, in that moment, I just couldn't let it go. I had to figure out who did it, why they did it. And you can't be a jerk and go to one of them like, look, I just straight don't trust you. Right. <laughs> like, you need to be pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of it, uh, in all of us, this case of like, wanting to know the truth, not eating a purple airhead. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, I don't think your dad likes me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, but you know, I think it's just at the core of, of humans, we want to seek out the truth. We want to know what the truth is. Um, what we do with the truth is a totally different conversation, but yeah, I think, you know, to quote a few good men, I want the truth. You know, we want the truth. We want to, to know what it is. So all of this kind of reminds me of, uh, Luke and how he kind of shapes his gospel around the investigation for truth. Right. So to let in our listeners on this part, because we're introducing not just this episode, but we're in this whole new season, right? And looking at the season, we are discovering a savior, right? Mm -hmm. And really digging into that concept of, man, who is Jesus? What's the need for a savior? Everything, we're going to cover a lot. And I do think that as we were talking about it, to start off with the investigation for the truth. And as we were talking through and just really seeing Luke like he's an example of someone in the Bible that that's what he set out to do. So I think that as we set out on our journey to discover a savior, starting with the investigation for the truth is like, yeah, that's kind of the foundation that we want to lay down. So I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. It's one thing to look for something, but it's the other thing to look for something with the intention of finding it. Meaning like I, I can search out for something, but if I'm just wandering aimlessly, I'm never going to find it. But if I'm going the steps of like where this thing is at and stuff. So uh, I guess the way for me, I remember we lost a toy in our backyard in the grass. And I'm like, son, where did you like leave it at? What part of the grass? Can you tell me? And it's like late at night. I got a flashlight. I'm on my knees just combing the backyard grass. We never find it um, until Justine had him retrace his steps. And then we found it in our sunroom on a bench. Like we tore apart almost the whole house. But. You know, once he retraced his steps, then he, we were able to find what, you know, he was looking for. And I, I think that goes to, is the case for all of us when we're investigating something. We could kind of wander aimlessly and sometimes we'll occasionally hit the truth. But when we're actually like, okay, what are the steps to find the truth? Then that's when we really get to it. <laughs> that just reminds me of not to keep going off on our stories. But when you dropped me off at my house for me to run inside real quick. Yeah. And I told you, as I was walking in the front door, I heard a girl say something. Mm -hmm. and I saw that the neighbors had just pulled up. I was like, oh, she might be talking to me. She might be talking to someone else, but I'm in a hurry. So I ran and grabbed my stuff. And then as I get more into the kitchen, I hear a girl talking still. And I thought that my side window was open. I could hear in the backyard. I was like, oh, yeah, they must be there now. Somehow from the front to the back. I don't know. I wasn't thinking through. I was in a hurry. And then I hear it more going. Now touch your shoulders, touch your shoulders. <laughs> so I take a step around the corner and I see, yeah. oh, Delilah left Miss Rachel on the TV before yeah, she left. Is. 
So yeah, yeah. You, are you really going to stumble on the truth? Right? Mm -hmm. you, here's these clues and oh, can something can make sense to me, right? Oh, right. Yeah, that's based on what I currently have. Yeah, it's probably my neighbor. Oh, okay, a little bit further on. Yeah, it really probably is my neighbor. And if I would have stopped right there and left, it's like TV would have still been on, mm. still would have been doing it, right? And I would have been wrong. So that you might stumble into the truth, like I'd put that as probably not. You'll get clues that will point you towards yeah. the truth, definitely. And I think that that's where going back to the whole Batman thing, investigating in. So to bring that all back around to Luke, as Luke is going in and you get him starting off in his gospel of Luke, and he gives an introduction, then he gives an uh, introduction because he also wrote Acts, right? Mm -hmm. So you have him giving these introductions as to why. And that's really where you see Luke coming into where he's saying, like, look, I'm writing this thing because I've gone and done the investigation. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have it up right here. It says, many have undertaken to compose an account of these things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by the initial eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good to me uh, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know uh, the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Um, so yeah, that's, that was Luke's whole thing, right? The quest was like, what are we doing? We're writing down uh, what we know. I guess before we get rolling with that, though, is like kind of figuring out who Luke was. Right. Was he a brooding guy? Yeah, was he Batman with his... Well, he was a doctor, so that helps, you know. Maybe he was like Dr. Sherlock Holmes. Uh, but I think more along the lines of he was a physician. He was a Gentile. He's mentioned three times in the New Testament. There's Colossians, 2 Timothy, Philemon. Um, and then Paul considered him, and I think it was in Colossians, as a co-worker of the Bible. Or not co-worker of the Bible, but a co-worker with him. Um, but yeah, I, I read this too, and I thought it was cool that it said... Um, in the late 19th century, Hobart uh, proposed that Luke and Acts contained an unusually large amount of medical terminology when compared to the other Gospels, especially in the stories of healing miracles. He argued that this demonstrates that Luke was the author of Luke and Acts, uh, the beloved physician. I thought that was really cool. Just I want to throw that in there because I never saw that. And as I started kind of looking through some of the stuff, like how he said, especially during the miracles, you're like, Oh, yeah, there's a lot of medical lingo in here that helps out with that. Yeah, so you have Paul calling him the beloved physician, mm -hmm. right? So that's a couple things. One, physician, and that's where we get that, because maybe if you've heard sermons, it's just like, I keep hearing people say he was a doctor. It's like, well, you get it because Paul said yeah. he was that. But then it also gives that part of his character to where he was beloved, and you just get that, you know, who he is as a person. And you also get that character showing up in Second Timothy uh, 4 11 where he's saying luke alone is with me and he's talking about other people deserted him but like here's luke and you just see that bond that luke and paul have because luke went with him on missionary journeys and just as we're looking at what kind of person was seeking this out because we're we're me and you are seeking to investigate right mm -hmm. so you want to be able to make sure that your source is trustworthy as well yeah he went around saying oh i'm finding trustworthy sources but I'm also interested in, are you a trustworthy source? And tends to be that if you're spoken well of, of different people all the time, and then you also have the character to show that thing that you're beloved by people, it's like, those are pretty good indicators. Yeah. And so he was writing all this to a fellow named Theophilus. Mm -hmm. Theophilus literally means lover slash friend of God. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, uh, they had slashes in their names? Yeah, slash the guitar player. No, just I put the slash. Like it could mean either lover of God or friend of God. Yeah. Um, so that's like Theo is God, 
Yes. as love, a form of love that's there, right? The Correct. phileo type of love. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you broke that down really good. Yeah. I didn't even think about it that way. <laughs> We're well established in the Bible baby name game. Yeah. Ah, I didn't look up Luke. No, neither did I. Uh, but uh, it could be like a proper title name or just a title. Uh, I saw it could be uh, to fill in the name to help hide the uh, person's real identity that he's writing to. So it could be just be like a filler name. Um, it could be a designation for the Christian reader. So like, you know, that friend of God is like, hey, we as Christians, we're friends of God. So it could be uh, a filler for that or, or replacing that. Uh, Jerome speculated that the recipient might be the famous official in Athens by the same name. Um, and because there's tradition that Luke was writing in Greece, uh, that Theophilus was the bishop of Antioch or Caesarea. Um, but that really doesn't have much weight to it. These are just a lot of people who they think Theophilus yeah. is. There's been a ton of suggestions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Theophilus, the brother-in-law of Caiaphas, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, Theophilus, an Athenian official convicted of perjury by the Areopagus. Uh, we have Theophilus of Antioch, like you're saying. Uh Sergius Paulus, a proconsul, which you get in Acts 13, 6 through 12. You have Lucius Junius Ananias Galileo from Acts 18, who's the brother of Seneca. Uh, you have Titus Flavius Clemens, the husband, uh, who's related to um, Domitian, who may have been executed because of his interest in Christianity. You've got maybe Agrippa II. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of these theories, but as I looked into each of them, like it was just like, it tends to be people are kind of grasping at that. Yeah. I do get that. Who's Theophilus? Most definitely an actual man. It's, this isn't just a representative title like, oh, anybody who is a, a friend of God, I'm writing this to you. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, here's a dude. This is his name. It was a popular name. It was a popular name amongst Gentiles and Jews. It was, I think, third, the third century BC is when it started showing up from what I saw. So, yes, it's a name. People are named that. Um but it also could have been a representative. It could have been his actual name or representative kind of, uh, you protect, what do they say on those shows? To protect the identity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To, and then he came out with one of these voices and yeah. talked into the microphone like that. Yeah. Uh, what I liked about this to uh, kind of with this whole like investigating the truth, like for me, I had to go through like, who is this person? And the truth came to the conclusion of, hey, you're, we may not know exactly who it is. Like, mm-hmm he's still unknown um and that to me was the fun part about it right so like i'm looking and searching and like who all these people thought he was and at the end of the day it was like yeah we still don't know i think though that what we can draw out linking these things of luke's purpose of writing it is that okay so here's this guy theophilus Mm -hmm. and luke is on a mission to write him an orderly account so that he may have certainty concerning the things that he was taught So that's coming from Luke 1, verses 3 and 4. So that he had been taught some things. And again, this is kind of up for conjecture. Was he a Christian? Was he someone who was kind of like had heard some things and was trying to figure it out? Either way, he had some level of knowledge, but Luke was writing to him that he could have an accurate and certainty that, hey, what you're hearing is true, and I'm also going to give you more about the story because you're Mm -hmm. limited in your knowledge. So I'm going to fill out the story for you, and I'm only going to give you the stuff that's trustworthy. I'm setting out that this is going to be an extremely trustworthy account so that you can actually believe these things. Yeah. Which I think that as we're going back to discovering a Savior, 
I really want to know that I can actually believe the things. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, so that's where I like Luke coming in because he's like, no, no, no. Here's the very purpose of this. Other people, and what is that in verse one? And as much as many have undertaken to compile mm-hmm. these narratives of things that have accomplished, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. He wasn't saying like, oh, they failed at it. He's saying other people have written about this in different perspectives, and I've, I've used them as source material, but I'm coming with this specific purpose. Right. I, I think just like with, uh, I mean, the news today, we know that it's packaged in a certain way that mm-hmm. um, it tells us what we want to hear. Two separate news channels could be running the same story and package it differently to make one group of people the villain and the other group of people the villain in it. You know, like they they do that all the time. Uh, They try to manipulate us to make us see something that we're not seeing. I think of like the Marvel trailers, when they always come out, they're like, oh, they're so-and-so and and they're together in this scene. And then the movie comes out and they're like, wait, that was that scene. What happened to it that wasn't there? And it's always done to like throw people off or like they'll have someone not in the trailer. The, the one I remember the most is uh, Thor Ragnarok, where like they showed him and he had both of his eyes. Uh, but spoiler alert for a movie that's really old by now. Uh, but uh, when you watch the movie, his sister like ripped out his eye or like messed up his eye. So he had like his eye was all blacked out. You didn't know that happened in the trailer. But once you saw the movie and you got to that scene, you're like, oh, they edited it out. So we wouldn't see that. Chris, why if we're saying that Lucas? trustworthy are you going to bring up all these examples of not because of the other people who embarked on it uh i think this is where luke was coming from was he was coming from a place where like there was a lot of messages about jesus a lot of things had spread about him now that it's gone beyond just the region of where jesus was himself uh because you have peter and paul who took the gospel and all these other places and it's probably at this point that the message had become distorted somewhat muddled misleading reports about who Jesus was exactly, what he did, and what, had, what actually happened to him. And so now Luke gets this thing, and he starts writing, and he's like, I'm going to go to these actual sources, these good sources, and put together this whole book so that you can know the things that you heard. No, those aren't lies. This is the truth of who this person was. Which, that one, you're talking about going to the source. And I think we've brought out two different things there, right, in our investigation of the truth Mm -hmm. is that looking at these ancient documents which the ones that he was referencing um there's kind of both ways that we both laid out there were documents that were written Mm -hmm. which you can look at the other gospels right yeah those were written but john go read john that wasn't for the purpose that luke was written for Mm -hmm. right so you can look at these other documents that were written that could be trustworthy but not for this type of purpose but there was also things that were being said that were outside of us well whether written or oratory on on both of those accounts yeah so he's coming to set that record straight so there is already some of those written things he's saying people have already written but then he's saying he's saying that he's going to create a narrative he's going to as verse two says that he's going to those who were there from the beginning who were eyewitnesses and also ministers of the word kind of using those two to lump the same people so eyewitnesses from the beginning he's going to like the apostles and the original disciples Mm -hmm. again a thing to pull out Luke wasn't there. Yeah. He wasn't one of the 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. Which some people reading through is like, oh, he wrote one of the gospels? He was one of those guys that was with him. He's like, right. no, 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 that, that's not what's going on. He went to them and he went to many others, right? And that's mm-hmm. who he's getting this from. But he went to eyewitnesses. Uh, yeah, he did. He went to a lot of the eyewitnesses, the first accounts. That's what we're talking about, like going to the source, finding the right thing. 
uh, and weeding out also the people who may have embellished a story, mm -hmm. like an eyewitness. I, I know uh, I could tell a story uh, within my family, and especially with my sister, if I embellish it just a little bit, right? Just a little bit to make it slightly funnier. Oh, she'll be like, that didn't happen. It didn't go down that way. You didn't say it that way, right? But in that, like I said, we could all, you know, it's the fish story. I, I caught a fish this big. It eventually got that big. And then it got this big. Chris's hands are getting bigger. They are. And this, his hands. What is measuring? <laughs> my measuring hand. Uh, and, and that's where uh, Luke came in with all this. You know, who's he talking to? Who's checking the sources? To me, that was, that's part of the research, right? Like, oh, that could be somewhat true. But why does it sound slightly different? or slightly off compared to this other story of it that, that was the same. Which, okay, I know that there can be a, talking about people embellishing things mm -hmm. or doing whatever, there can be the argument, well, he seems to be a Christian who's writing a book to maybe a Christian. He was involved in the thing. How can you trust someone who's involved in the thing to tell an accurate giving of it, right? Like right. this could be propaganda. Yeah. And as I was studying into just Luke and how he even wrote this initial first four verses of um, the gospel, and then how he got into the rest of Luke and into Acts, is I was seeing people saying that Luke is considered a great Hellenistic historian. Mm. Like the way that he goes about writing a true history is that he's taking the methods of other historians going back like a few um, hundred years earlier where history is really starting mm -hmm. getting written and stuff, and he's using those same methods and he's framing things the same way and he's approaching things the same way that even when he's talking about, hey, I thought that it would be good to give you this orderly account and how he's setting up the narrative is that he's actually a great historian. He's telling things about this point in time. He's not just like, oh, let me tell you about Jesus because I'm a Christian. Yeah. It's like, no, no, I'm writing a history that stands up to the other histories that were written during that time period. Yeah. I feel like I got convoluted in saying that, but did you catch what I'm trying to yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there is the point to be made of like, your truth is your truth thing um, that people really kind of get at. And I like that you used that word. It was a propaganda because that's, you know, what a lot of people would look at things is like your your truth has become your propaganda. That's what you're pushing on people. Uh, but even in like you're saying, the way he wrote it, it was just so historic based that, you know, everything he was going after, like it, it was history because it was history. It was what was happening during his time, during his life and what what he knew and what the information he was gathering for it Um which I think kind of separates his gospel really from the other ones. You know, you have Matthew that's uh, slightly different. Matthew is one of the followers. You have Mark that people say is uh, kind of a spinoff of what Peter would go around telling other people. And then you have John's who just like, John was like, they wrote all that other stuff. I'm just going to write this, this stuff right here that's kind of way different. Um, but you look at Luke's and yeah, it's more of the orderly one. It's more of the one that's, you know, has history, has process in it. And for me, really, when you look at Luke's, it's it has a key message to it that really does play with what we're talking about today. It's in Luke 19.10. It says, For the Son of Man uh, it has come to seek and save which was lost. And even in Jesus himself, when he tells in Luke, he has the, uh, the three, uh, the lost coin parable, the lost, what was the other thing? Sheep, and then the, the prodigal son. Um, it's this story of something being lost and seeking and finding what was lost. 
Yeah, and going off of those examples that Luke was bringing out, I had a lot of fun digging into verses one through four of the first chapter of Luke and getting into how much he was investigating and then the purpose that he was laying out for Ham, trying to tell you the truth about a thing. Mm -hmm. Because even when he's talking about that orderly account that he's delivering to Theophilus, it's like, what is it ordered towards? And you get that in the first verse where we're saying, I'm writing a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. Very Mm -hmm. much what he's delivering is a true history of here's what God has accomplished among men. Mm, I like that. Like, that's really what Luke is about. He's saying, hey, you've heard a lot of things about this Jesus character. You've heard some things are accurate, and I need to give you more information about that. Mm -hmm. And here's what you need to understand about it, is that Jesus is the Messiah who has come as the Savior, and that's a trustworthy thing to believe in and follow. Like, when you're looking at the account that he's giving, and again, that can seem to somebody who's not a Christian, be like, well, see, you're you're tilting that to say mm-hmm. he's writing a history about what God has done. It's like, if that's what's true and he's reporting on what's true, mm-hmm. then that's what happened. Yeah. So I think that as we go into this, I mean, looking for the discovery of a savior, if you automatically go, well, there is no savior, there is no God, there isn't no whatever. It's like, you're, you're not trying to discover. Mm-hmm. You're not investigating for the truth. You're immediately yeah. saying that can't be true. Yeah. You got to open up at least a little bit of here's, somebody going and doing an investigation at the time that it happened, talking to eyewitnesses Mm -hmm. and saying, hey, here's what's true about what God actually did do. Welcome to another installment of Useless Bible Trivia with Chris. Did you know the name Theophilus literally means friend of God. Before writing his gospel and Acts, Luke was a physician. Luke is the longest out of the four gospels and contains 24,944 words. Angels are mentioned 23 times in the gospel of Luke. The parables of the Good Samaritan, the Prodigal Son, and the Rich Man and Lazarus are only found in the gospel of Luke. Son of Man is used 25 times, Son of God is used seven times, Do Not Be Afraid is repeated seven times, and Kingdom of God is used 32 times in the Gospel of Luke. The Eastern Orthodox Church calls Mary the Theotokos. This has been another installment of Useless Bible Trivia with Chris. If you go by what history says, Luke was written around AD 60, 70. Um, some push it as late as 90, but you know, there's proof of why it couldn't be that. Uh, and what a lot of people bring up is like when the Gospels were written, uh, that would probably be about 30 plus years after the life of Jesus itself, himself. Um, why did it take so long to write all this stuff down? Well, it's simple. Luke gives us a really good answer. I did the research. Mm -hmm. I interviewed eyewitnesses. And that's not like how today's time and age where it's like, oh, I'm just going to call them, Zoom them. It's like he went to the locations. He went to the place. He collected all this information. Um, And then he listened to, like you said earlier, the people who are already ministering the word of God. So he was doing all that stuff. That's going to take a lot of time. 
And it took him about that long to start composing this and then saying like, all right, here's the 30 years of research that I put into what we saw, what we knew, and here it is. And, and it's certain. And when you consider that he wasn't just doing that like a researcher would do. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to who Luke is. He was off on missionary journeys all around yes. the area with Paul, yeah. right? There was things going on like that. Um, I have a couple more notes on just Luke as a historian and coming mm-hmm. back to let's look at him as a person who existed in history and that this is the topic that he was writing about and is what he's writing about mm-hmm. trustworthy. And you get how he starts off here is like, oh, I'm writing this orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. When you look at Josephus, right? Mm-hmm. who's a Jewish historian that was going on. He did the same thing, kind of how Luke has it in the beginning of Luke and then in the beginning of Acts. Josephus starts off, in my history of our antiquities, most excellent Epaphroditus, I have, I think, yeah. made sufficiently clear, right? And goes on like mm-hmm. that. So you have that level of introduction and who you're writing it for and, and that kind of thing going on. I like this point of history. Is it in the book of Acts, Luke includes himself in the story mm-hmm. when he uses we? Yeah. And the only times that he uses we is when it's linked to traveling by boat, going around. Mm. Okay? So, is it when you look at, in order to be a historian, according to them in their time, you had to be well-traveled. You had to be well-educated. Mm. You couldn't provide a history. And how you're saying he went around and did all the investigation. Yeah. You couldn't say, like, well, I've presented an investigation and I never left this area. Like your word wouldn't be trusted as a historian if you hadn't gone and traveled. Mm. So even him having these travels by boat going around the area, that's also in line with other historians of his day. I think it goes back to even, is it the Odyssey or Odysseus? Like kind of what things got framed there. Is it just like what's necessary to be able to do this kind of a thing? And even there, he's like established as no I did the things necessary to be giving you this type of a document, Hmm. which I never like, okay, we did this. We did that. Obviously you're on the trip. It's like, no, no, no. That's an important thing because that's what historians did. Yeah. And it shapes up the rest of his book, which is again, kind of comparing it to the other three gospels. Uh, Matthew starts off with the genealogy of Jesus, right? It's like, here's who he is, where he came from. This is Jesus. Uh, And then you have marks that I think just kind of jumps into it. Like, I think it's John the Baptist is where Mark starts off with, and then the baptism, and you kind of run with it. And then John's like, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And it's like, okay, you've you've kind of, you're painting this bigger, broader picture. Whereas Luke is just like, here's this historical narrative. John is just like, okay, but really in the beginning, this Mm -hmm. guy that we're talking about, Jesus, this is where his beginning is. Right? So it's a needed perspective. but And, And it starts off with like, for the most certainty of things, I'm doing this so that you would know the truth. And I think it's so funny that just in our day and time, I've heard so many people who they started their quest to disprove Jesus or God. So common. And then in their quest, they're like, oh, I'm a Christian now. I think Lee Strobel's to me is probably like one of the more famous ones because he has all the books. Mm-hmm. Um, the case for this, the case for that, but his his big one was the case for Christ. And it was his journey to like, I'm going to prove this wrong. And it came out of like, no, I got proven wrong. I couldn't tell you who it is, but it's like some death metal band or something like that. They wanted to make such 
blasphemous music mm-hmm. that they were studying Christianity or Catholicism. Oh, wow. Yeah. To be like, we just really want to like come against this in like the most offensive way possible. And in studying it, they became Christian. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which is just hilarious to me. Yeah. And that's what we hear a lot of. Uh, because if you're going after the truth and you're putting away your unbiased opinions and you're like, I'm just looking at the facts and the truth of it. Even then, they, they weren't looking for the yeah, truth. Yeah, they were like, looking yeah. based on but bias. they were looking at the truth. But they were looking at the truth. And there, there's really only a few options we could do with the truth. It's either uh, we find it and accept it or we ignore it and continue in our ignorance. Uh, but there's really no other way of getting around it. And and that's kind of this this whole thing of what Luke was doing was like, here's the truth. Theophilus was a person and an individual, possibly. Uh, but in the long space and time of what we have is a gospel that goes and helps and shapes who Jesus is as our Savior, as someone who came to people. Like, if you look at his gospel, I think, uh, yeah, I have it right here, Warren Wiersbe wrote, In this gospel, you meet individuals as well as crowds, women and children as well as men, poor people as well as rich people, and sinners along with saints. It's a book with a message for everybody because Luke's emphasis is on the universality of Jesus Christ and his salvation. Good tiding of great joy, uh, which shall be to all people. No wonder he begins his book with a detailed account of the birth of two important babies, no wonder he emphasizes Christ's sympathy for hurting people. He wrote with the mind of a careful historian and with the heart of a loving physician. And it's this like gospel that, and I love the way Warren Wiersbe phrased it. It's just like Jesus went to everybody. And in this gospel, you see everybody because the truth is for everybody. And the truth is there for people to make decisions. And you have people who will make good decisions and you have people who will make Uh, the wrong decisions, but the truth is laid out before them. And he did this with this purpose of like, this is who our Savior is. He was for everybody. And he's coming out here doing things for everybody. So that way, there's no like, well, I didn't know. And that's the scary part is that for the bulk of humanity, it's like you didn't know. You just did nothing with it. I can't remember whose name it is, but I, I, I share the story often when I speak uh, of a, it's, it's a famous individual who, um, whose wife got sick. And instead of kind of being there by her bedside, he would just spend hours uh, still working and still working. And then she finally passed away. Uh, and when she did, he went up to her room and found her journal. And in it, he found a writing that said, like, I could hear him pacing up and down the hallway. Uh, hopefully he'll come and see me today. Um, I could see that he's working. Hopefully he'll spend some time with me. All these entries of like, I'm hoping he'll spend time with me. And then uh, where I, I remember reading it from, it said that he, he ran out to his wife's graveside and screamed out, I didn't know, I didn't know. And the reality was he did know. He knew that his sick wife spending time with her probably would be the best thing instead of working, but he didn't do it. So it's like, what do we do with the truth? We know what it is. Uh, once you find it, especially once you find it, you know what the truth is. It, you've really got only two options. And it, it, this stems off of like, I guess a lot of what we covered in the last season with the excluded books of the Bible, where all three of them were like, there's really two ways to everything. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the Bible, it's like, there's only really two ways to everything. It's either you're going to do something with the truth or you're not. 
And that's what I like about why Luke's gospel is the way it is. It's this shaping of, here's truth. I went out and I investigated it. Theophilus, here it is. Uh, whether he was a new convert or someone who was just playing with the idea of Christianity, here's the gospel. I don't know what Theophilus did with Luke, other than maybe he printed out a lot of copies of it and it got widespread, which would tell me he did something good with the truth. But, you know, the truth was presented to him and he had to make a decision. Talking about the truth and just being confronted with things, right? Like, what are you going to do with it? You giving that story, every time you give that story, it makes me so sad and convicted because I'm just like, I need to love my wife better. Yeah. Like, well, that's what it is. And that's what the truth was for him. And when you get like that representative truth told to you, it's just like, yeah, what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to what Luke is bringing out here, again, that his investigation for the truth isn't just to write a history but he's saying things have happened during our time that are divine acts, the mm-hmm. things that have been accomplished. And he's looking at Jesus, and then he's looking at his followers, right? You get Jesus and the 12 in Luke, and then in Acts, you get the church going off from there. And just like, things have been happening. I need to go and figure out what these things are. So he's saying, I'm writing you an account about these things that have been accomplished, and why? Right. And when you get to that, I was like, okay, well, what happened? Why did it happen? And what am I supposed to do with that? And I think that as we truth throughout all of it, Mm -hmm. we're not going to get away from that. Like we're establishing that here. But then in discovering a savior, hopefully what we're setting out to do is in various aspects finding out what Luke was finding out. Mm -hmm. What is the truth about Jesus? About who he is, about what he did, about why he did it. And that's going to, as you said, demand some type of response. Yeah. Do we submit to it and live in that, in light of that, make that the reality? Mm -hmm. Or do you ignore it and remain ignorant and suffer the consequence, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's quite the task that we've put out before ourselves here. Yeah. (laughs) Because, oh, discovering a savior. Oh, yeah, it's Jesus. And it's like, I really think to spend the time to discover him, not just in the concept of, oh, discover him, is there really one? But discover for like, who is he really? Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Uh, we were talking about this on the drive over here. Uh, and you mentioned that like, there are so many people who get the truth and then just kind of stop at it. Like they just get to a point of like- Stop I, short. Yeah, they stop short of it. Um, and a thing that's been a check for me more than past years of my life at some point in my life, I stopped short of fully knowing who God is. Because ultimately, I feel like that quest of knowing who God and Jesus is, is probably like a lifelong one. It's reading the Bible over and over again, uh, studying into things, listening to podcasts like ours, or the many other ones that we've talked about that go a little bit deeper into who Jesus and God are. It's reading commentaries. It's, it's putting the time in. It's being a Luke or a, a Theophilus who wanted to know the truth, who sought the truth, but most importantly, let that truth change their lives and the lives of those around them. It's, it's going deeper. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even for my own Christian life, there are moments where I was like, I'm content with what I know. This is Jesus. This is God. And then it was like, oh, I didn't really know him at all. What was I even worshiping? 
what was I serving? You know, like, was I serving a false God that I created in my head? Um, but it's a quest and, and it is a journey of discovering your savior. It's not like we're, we're going to go through a gospel and it's going to take you to some big key moments and it's going to be a really cool thing. But at the end of the day, there's so much more about Jesus. Just like I, I think one of the gospels doesn't it end with, and I could have written more about Jesus. Is that John? Yeah, as one of them. Hopefully it's not Luke. That would look really bad for us. Uh, but I could have written so much more of the, the stories I could have told. But this is what I wrote. You know, there's just so much more to knowing who Jesus and our Savior is than kind of like, oh, he died for my sins. I get to go to heaven. I'm a Christian kind of thing that we've we kind of been taught today in Christianity. Uh, it's a lifelong quest of me journeying and discovering more and more and letting those discoveries then shape my life. It's one thing to know the truth. It's a difference to know the truth and let it shape your life. Uh, I can't have demon faith. Like we like to say a lot with James, you know, James, like the demons even know who God is. Like they know who Jesus was. They knew the truth, but it didn't change anything about them. And we can't let that be our faith where it's just, all right, I knew the truth. What did it do? You know, to me, it's very important of finding the truth to let it change or alter who I am. Yeah, and I think for there, to be fair to past you, and obviously listeners of the podcast have heard me be very hard on myself at times and even say, at certain points, you have an experience with God to where you feel like, wow, was I even saved before? Like, I'm experiencing this in such a new way, or, you know, and all those things. But I think that, to be fair, when we're talking about this discovering, is there is, if you've never discovered the Savior then you need to come to that first point of yeah. discovery. But as you're saying, this journey that lasts your lifetime, and honestly, lifetime, if you believe, it's going to go eternal, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you don't get it all up front. You do get it piece by piece. There are things that get corrected. Um, kind of like Theophilus. He knew something, but he needed to know something more accurately. Like in the book of Acts, you have Apollos, who had been instructed in the way of the Lord, but had only known the baptism of John. And then he receives further explanation then he was able to show that by the scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus, right? So he was out there and he was preaching and he was doing well and accurate with what he had, but he deepened into his understanding and then was able to to walk in that. So I think that that's the discovery process as well, is that, yeah, we never get to the point of, I should be content with what I know, but it's not just the what I know, it's the experience of what I know. Mm. And I'm looking forward to growing in that for me looking at this series like yeah it's gonna be fun to like oh study it and present it Mm -hmm. but i'm really taking this on as like a hey i want to discover the savior more fully and to have that experience for me because otherwise what am i gaining by doing it for you (laughs) right i mean i'm pointing at chris but anyone listening for for y'all as well yeah I, i think that's uh the fun thing i really do enjoy about our podcast is that if anyone's listened from like episode one until now, or like if you haven't, go back and do it. It's real fun. Uh, but um, it really is us just conversating about our faith. And there are moments where like, I don't, I don't get that concept that a lot of people have said I'm supposed to get, or we cover things that other people wouldn't touch. But it's really us just doing this. We're discovering a savior and we're just talking about it while we record it. Uh, and that's what I really liked about how we were going to do this was like, what's next? What are we going to do after we jump out of the excluded books? And I think I told you, I was like, I need to get into some Jesus for our show. Mm-hmm. Like, 
we've done a lot of cool things with the villains and uh, the forgotten books, but we, since the Sermon on the Mount season right, one, right. we haven't touched Jesus. Uh, so I really want to get back into that. And so this is just going to be that. We don't know how long it's going to take us, but buckle up. It's going to be a fun one. I agree fully with everything that you just said. And what I think is going to be kind of fun to do for our next episode, because we're coming from this, hey, investigating the truth. And like, yeah, that seems super solid and, and that, right? And next time we're going to talk about prophecy. And I think that people have the questions like, how can I trust prophecy? Because the two almost seem like they don't make sense together. It's like, all right, let's investigate the truth. Let's look at prophecy. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? And, yeah. But we have to understand prophecy. If we're going to be trying to discover the Savior, because man, the Savior has been prophesied since the beginning. Mm -hmm. So if we're really going to dig in and start investigating this truth, it's just like, well, is he the one that has been prophesied about? And, you know, we'll, we'll get into different things about prophecy and how Jesus fits into all that. But I think it'll be fun because it doesn't seem like that would be what follows investigating the truth. Right. But I do think it is a truth that needs to be investigated because it is a claim. It's a very big claim. And you won't want to miss it. So I'm Chris. I'm Yurda. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you have any questions, need prayer, or want to share your thoughts about the show, you can email us at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com. We would really love to hear from you. And if you're on Facebook, take a moment to join our group page so that you can stay up to date with what's going on with the podcast and join any discussion about our latest episodes. Also, do us a favor and follow and subscribe to the show on whatever podcasting platform you listen to, and then leave a review and ratings. Most importantly, share this with a friend. They will thank you for it, and so will we. And finally, be sure to go check out the Christian Podcasters Association Network for other quality Christian podcasts. Don't forget to check out our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. Again, that website is yourchurchfriends.rocks, because we rocks.